tuning in to Art and Business and Murals, a podcast about running a small creative business with interviews, artist stories, and industry tips. I hope this podcast keeps you company on what can sometimes feel like a solo journey. Hi, welcome to another episode. This is episode seven, and today I have with me the amazing Michelle Sparks. So we first met probably, it was probably about two years ago or about a year and a half ago, I think, at an Art Loves Australia group exhibition. And you were the lovely extrovert that was swanning around chatting to all the artists. Oh, what? And I was one of the introverts in the corner standing in front of my artworks going, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. Oh, no, I'm far from an extrovert. I think I I can put it on when I need to, and I think that's my teaching background. I can switch into a mode when I need to. So, yeah, I'm more of an introvert, actually. Really? That's a skill. That really is a skill. I'm jealous of that. But so I wanted to have you on today, one, because your art's amazing, and two, I've been stalking you from the outside on social media and in the last probably year and a half or ever since I've known you, the whole year and a half, um, it looks like you've just, you're like your career has just propelled and you just came back from um, one of the art fairs in Sydney and I've been dying to ask you about that too. So did you want to start out by telling us who you are, what, like your career's like, where you started and where you are now? Yeah, uh, look, it's been a bit of a journey. I um, Three years ago around COVID, uh, started looking for something just for me and I think as a mum we all start to lose ourselves a little bit in the mum mode um, and the, the sheer mental load of being a parent. So I looked for something that was just for me uh, and literally stumbled into it. I just had a play one day and realised I really enjoyed it and so did it again and again and then found myself losing track of time, staying up until midnight or, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, just painting on paper, playing with colour and loving it. So I I was hooked. Um, And at that point I was four days a week as a teacher uh, high school PE and maths teacher and I slowly across the next year and a half reduced my days from four to three and then three to two after about two years uh, and then six months ago I gave it away. So it's been a progression but I would say it's only been the last six months that I've found a level of success where I was able to give away teaching and not stress about the finance side of things. So it's not like the whole way along I was having a huge amount of success. I was definitely selling on and off, um, but it was intermittent and not something I could rely on. It was more of a, uh, you know, a side hustle, I guess. You know, my, my teaching wage was my regular income and then I had the art money every now and then would be nice a nice little bonus. So, yeah, uh, it definitely took a, a pivot around six months ago um, and that is when I found, well, actually I was, I was ready to give away art, to be honest, six months ago. I was ready to throw in the towel and stop because I didn't think I could make it work financially. Um, I was struggling to make enough sales. I think I'd had about three 
to four weeks of no sales. I had an art event at a friend's gallery and sold nothing. And I was, it was like a real kick in the teeth, in the guts. And I thought, what am I doing this waste of time? Despite, oh, there's the train line. (laughs) (laughs) Part of of the bonus of uh, being in my new gallery space is that uh, everyone stops out the front because there's a train line directly out the front, a set of lights at a train line and beautiful big glass windows where everyone stares in because they're stuck by the train but it, it can be quite loud at times, so excuse the noise. Um, so, yeah, I was I was ready to throw in the towel and friends of mine, Tracy Riley and Chris Riley, the artist, um, they messaged me and said, how would you go at the, the opening of the gallery? And I said, it was shit house <laughs> and I'm ready to throw in the towel. And they said, don't do that. Come and see us. Come and visit us for a coffee. Uh, so I did the next day and I bawled my eyes out to them and just said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I'm, I, I'm lost. And they offered to mentor me and also offered for me to move into the gallery next door as a pop-up uh, kind of space. And I said to them, you're crazy. I've just told you I've not sold anything in four weeks. Um, and so they they offered me a, a reasonable deal that I couldn't refuse. And I thought, you know what, for three months, I'll give it a crack and we'll see how we go. And with their help, and trust me when I say if I hadn't had their help, then I wouldn't be where I am right now. Um, with their help, I have been I have been able to turn things around and things aren't going as well. We pivot and change and that's the worst thing you can do is what I've learnt. You've got to remain consistent and continue with that same venture um, so that people, when they do come to look to buy from you, you are still the same person they followed when they followed you a year ago, two years ago. So... Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a, a big learning curve for me. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And whenever I get bored and try something new, people freak out. Like they just can't cope. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. So I can. Like, Whoa, what's happening? Who is this person? <laughs> yeah. Did I stumble upon the wrong Instagram account? I've actually set up a different Instagram account that no one follows, but it's full of projects just for me that are completely not my style because I don't want to scare people. But so how did you find the style? Oh, I can totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> how do you find the style that you're at now? Because now you've got kind of like that urban art background style with the kind of like the black lines over the top. How did you get there? Yeah. Good question. Um, it's been a progression, I think, because I I went through a phase where I was I was doing geometric uh, shapes and doing kind of thick texture in that, um, and then I got really bored of the basic geometric shapes. So I started looking for other shapes that were cool, and stumbled onto the you know iconic Chanel bottle and thought, hey, that's a cool shape. I'll do my geometrics or not my geometrics, but my my thick uh, texture within that shape. Um, and 
kind of found the outlining in amongst that time too. Just thought, oh, that might be cool. It's a bit easier. You know, I don't want to use a Posca pen. And sometimes when you're using a brush, like it just doesn't look as good in my opinion. Um, And, yeah, I just, it was, I stumbled into it. And then I looked for more shapes. So it became more of a pop art type style. Um, and my backgrounds, rather than being as thick and textured, became more graffiti-like, I would say. But I liked that it was contained in a shape. You had the sort of solid-coloured background to tame the graffiti. Um, And, yeah, and it was, you know, well-received, which was nice. Um, But, I mean, I think my graffiti, you know, got a little restrictive so lately I've been trying to push that a bit further and play again with my graffiti style so that I can do some bigger landscape pieces I find that a lot of the um, pop art style that I like to do tends to work in certain canvas shapes and it's not really something you'd put behind a couch in a lounge room it's more something you'd have in in a bedroom like a Chanel bottles more for a bedroom space and um therefore my thought process is you know I'm not being seen in people's homes as much you know when friends come over and they're chatting to them I'm not in those main spaces that you know can help grow my brand and grow my name so I'm rethinking rejigging things a little bit but, um, yeah, I still love the the pop art type style. So it sounds like the way that you're talking now, when you're painting artworks, you're thinking purely of the buyer and where they're going to hang and how they're going to hang them and their decor. And so you're not just painting because you think it's pretty. You're painting for a buyer. Is that correct? Look, that's a not quite. I think you have to have um, – a a little bit of that business side in your mind. But when I'm painting, um, I try to be completely free and loose. Um, But there has to be an element of thought behind it. Otherwise, you you might be missing the mark at the end of the day. You know, like there's, I think I would like to do larger pieces because you can increase the value and the price tag on them. so for me to be able to get to that point, I've got to rejig what I'm doing because I just can't find my pop art sitting in a landscape style as easily. Mm. Yep, I, I get that. So, so it's a combination. I have yep. been dying yep. to ask you about, one, your bricks and mortar. So I saw that you had a pop-up and I was so impressed with your signage for a pop-up. Like I was like wow, that's going to be there temporarily. It looks amazing. That's so good. And then so so it was pop-up for three months, but now it's your forever home for your art. Is that correct? It is. Yes. Yeah, that is correct. I took over um, and I'm paying rent now, officially running a proper bricks and mortar business. That's fantastic. Which was frightening, but also brilliant you know like pushes you to another level of focus I think and so does that mean that people walk in off the street or book in to come and see you and does that mean that you have to sell them the artwork yourself well I I don't believe that you need to sell to anyone 
if they come in and they fall in love with something, that's on, that's up to them. I, I refuse to sell anything to anyone. So if they come into my space, I'm actually just about getting to know them. Like what brought them in? You know, what do they do for work? Do they live locally? Like I'm just chatting to them as if they're a friend and I'm getting to know them. Uh, and if they happen to want to buy something because the, or they want to know more about a piece, then I'll share that. But otherwise, I'm not selling anyone. And I think when you let go of that salesy feel, then it's not as frightening. You're just chatting to people. You're just being friendly and chatty. Which brings me to my next question about the art fair. So you just came back from the art fair. I went down to Sydney to see that art fair to get kind of like a feel for it this time last year. And oh, yeah. I was I was pretty cynical, although I did catch COVID while I was there, so I could have just been tired and grumpy. Um, <laughs> but I was a bit like I was really daunted by all the artists standing in their spaces and like talking to people the whole time. And for me, I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand in front of my art and talk to people for three days or four days, four days, three days, four, three and a half days. How many, how long is it? Four days. Four days. Yeah. So tell me about your experience. It's four days. Yeah. <laughs> so Look, how was it? It was, was it a lot. It? It's four days on your yeah, absolutely. Totally worth it. I had prepared myself for not making any sales. I'd kind of pegged it as this is a marketing opportunity to get more people to see my art that are from a different area. And, you know, Brisbane people, there's a lot of people that now know me, but Sydney doesn't really know me. So I looked at it as an opportunity to showcase what I do. Um, so I prepared myself for zero sales and that I was just going along to chat to people and have a bit of fun. So, yeah, it. I ended up selling 13 pieces, which wow. I was over the moon about. I did not expect that at all. Um, but, you know, part of the, I think, it's a long time on your feet. It's a lot of talking to people, yes. But if you stop worrying about being salesy and you again like I said before you're just chatting to people and getting to know them then most people will fall in love with or connect with you and then therefore then look at the art and go yeah I want a piece of that um so people would chat to me and then they'd you know hear a bit of info just about you know my journey or that that was my first art fair and they're like oh we haven't been before this is our first time too and we're like oh we're newbies together and then they go oh I love that piece like you know what size is that and then we'd start talking art and they go what do you think honey and then next minute they're buying a piece so it it was literally like I didn't sell anything People just chatted to me if they wanted to. I did. They were welcome to have a look. Uh, and if they looked like they, you know, smiled at something, then I might say, G'day, hello, how are you? You know, what brings you to the fair? And, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. And have there been opportunities popped up afterwards? Um, I've made a few sales since from clients who had, met me or saw me at the fair. Um, I do seem to have a lot of um, sales going to New South Wales now, so I don't know 
whether they've found me at the fair or it's just happened that way, I don't actually know. So it's hard to equate, but making those sales at the actual event was really awesome. But in saying that, there were people around me who didn't sell. What do you find most challenging about being an artist? I think the business side. You know, we all love to paint. That's the, the I guess, the easier bit. It's the constant need to stay fresh and uh, online on social media, to stay up to date with your uploads onto your website, to um, look at your finances and make sure you've got a good accountant and stay on top of that. It's all the business side that uh, isn't as fun that I personally don't want to do. So, you know, you're tend to avoid the things you don't like doing. It's like an assignment at school. Uh, You leave it to the last minute before you actually have to do it. Um, But, yeah, I'm I'm trying harder at the moment to eat the frog, as they say, and do the toughest thing first at the start of the day because that's going to be the hardest thing that you do and get it out of the way. I think you are you and I are on the same page. If I don't do if I don't eat the frog, then I leave it till four thirty in the afternoon when I've got to look up at five. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's not enough time. Shame. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like that's my so, whole week. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so what do you think's been what are you most proud of in your career so far? Mm, good question. I think just taking the leap to to leave my secure job, that's frightening. You know, like um, I think when I first moved into the pop-up gallery next door, um, I think I was a couple of weeks in and Chris came in and said to me, you know, if you really want to make a good go of this, can you consider taking some leave from your work so that you are 100% focused on this? because if you're a little bit here and a little bit there, you're not necessarily giving it 100%. And if you really want to see if you can make this work, then I think you need to give it 100%. And that conversation, obviously, I needed to hear. And within 24 hours, I'd applied for leave, got it approved, and I'd left my job. So I put everything into it. I put everything on the line and, you know, not everyone can do that. You know, you have to be able to, to balance things financially, but I was lucky I was in the position where, you know, I had long service leave. I could get that at half pay. Um, So have that money still rolling into my account whilst trying to build a business. Um, So that, that has been, you know, a good backup plan, I guess, but Also, I think if you forever dabble in two different areas because you need that security, you're never going to give your art what it needs and deserves to actually make it work. Yeah, definitely. In my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. But whenever I'm coaching or mentoring anyone, I'll always say make sure that you do have that financial backup, whether it's that you know, long service leave or three months of wages saved up or um, rather than just taking the leap because that's a huge amount of pressure and it's so hard to paint when you're under so much pressure as well. Yeah. 
That's true. That's true. It is like, you know, I think being an artist, we will forever have a little bit of hustle to us. We're going to have to do that um, until it just churns on its own because you're so famous you don't have to care anymore and people know your name and they just continue to buy. Until we get to that point, there is a lot of hustle and I think that's just part of the the job. Yeah, that's exactly it. So how do you find your buyers or how do your buyers find you, should I ask? <laughs> Look, most of my purchases come online, so either from social media. So despite having the, the bricks and mortar, it's it's actually not necessarily where my clients come from. Yeah, people still come in, you know, mostly on the weekends. So during the week I'm in there painting uh, and my door's open, but I don't get a lot of walk-ins, you know, during the week. Um, if people, you know, there's, there's not a lot of businesses around where they're just wandering past and come in for a look. Um, so if they stop, they're genuinely interested in looking at art and potentially buying. So the people that come in generally are, potential clients as opposed to, you know, people just tire kicking, killing some time. Um, but most of my sales come from Instagram or uh, Blue Thumb. So I, I definitely continue to put my artworks on Blue Thumb regularly. Um, and, yeah, social media has been the best thing. But to be honest, I need to start, conti- well, continue to build my email base because who knows what's happening with social media and if that will continue forever. Um, I'm not quite up to date on TikTok, but, you know, I think that's growing at a very rapid rate and I'm not on that yet. Well, I am on it, but I'm not onto it. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, we kind of have to have a bit of a backup plan. But most things come online and a lot of people are New South Wales or Melbourne for me. That's fantastic. And your social media game is on point. Like you just, it's the brand perception through social media is that you are the up and coming artist. So you, whatever you're doing is working very well. <laughs> wow. That's, that's so lovely to hear. Um, I, I have had some coaching on that from the artist wife from Tracy. Um, but also more recently she's, um, Oh, I don't know if I could let the cat out of the bag. Tracy? Yes. Okay. So she, her and Chris are potentially creating a new business which will be looking after the social media and uploads onto websites um, and Blue Thumb. And so they're trialling it at the moment. So I've actually had a couple of weeks of hands off the, the tools on Instagram and I haven't had to do that side of things other than capture the footage, capture the images, upload that to a shared drive, um, and they're doing it for me. Oh, my God, that is such a needed thing. Like I have so many clients that just want to paint but they don't want to do that uploading, cropping, you know, blurbs that they don't want to do any of that, but it needs to be done. Someone needs to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tracy, I'll be stalking her. 
<laughs> so it's coming. So prepare yourselves. And it's purely for artists only because they they know it. They've lived it. They get it. Um, and it's it's a real heavy chore for artists to find time to fit it all in. Particularly if you are still working another job, it's it's a lot. And turning up online every day is a real effort. And if you've got a family as well, that's stealing you away from family time. So, you know, they're hitting, you know, the nail on the head with what's needed for us artists to be able to focus on the things that actually make us money. Yeah, 100%. And you want to spend your energy on the creative projects rather than spending your energy on social media and emails and uploads and cropping images. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Maybe I need to be talking to Tracy and Chris next. (laughs) Oh, I've found that. (laughs) What are you currently working on? Maybe you do. Maybe you do. (laughs) Um, Good question. I'm actually trying to work through... I've got five commissions that I'm trying to complete uh, and get them before Christmas. So I've completed a few, but I've got a few more to do. And then hopefully try and um, do a few new pieces before I go on holidays. I've actually booked two holidays in December. Um, Before I had my bricks and mortar, I had already booked them well before. So I'm going (laughs) and it's not great time. Um, you know, people buy gifts in December. It should be a time where I'm actually in my shop, but it is what it is. So I'm trying to work longer hours. Um, the last two weeks I've been working seven days to make up for that time that I'm going to be away. And I've told my family this is just how it is for a short period of time so that when we go on our break, I can be fully present and not be thinking about, anything related to work and business. So yeah, there's a, there's a, it's a hard balance. Yeah, it really is. And I a hundred percent know where you're coming from. I went, I was in Bali for two weeks for my birthday in October and I was churning through the work before we left, you know, that before holiday and anyone that works, whether it be for themselves or in a business, you're like churning to get through your work before you go on holiday. We went on holiday and my clients hadn't paid me. So the money hadn't hit the bank and I spent the holiday stressed about money and being like, oh no, we can't do that because the money hasn't come in. And I was like, this, this isn't right. So I did not time that correctly. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that. When you're on holidays, you don't want to be thinking about work or money or what's happening next month or, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a. You, you, you want to let it go. But I think that's also part of the problem of running your own business as an artist is that you never actually fully turn off that when you're going to bed at night, you're still thinking about the next opportunity or the next plan or what you need to order in stock or, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to turn off. Um, but I think that also makes us really driven. So, you know, we, you need a, a little bit of both, I think, to, to make it work. Yeah, and I think as long as you've got passion for what you're doing, it's kind of when I'm in my own head thinking about artworks that I'm going to create, like I find that really like it gives me energy. I feel really excited about it. It's not like we're, I don't know, 
Every time you tell me you're a maths teacher, I go, ugh, mathematicians. It's not like we're like mathematicians <laughs> sitting there doing sums in our head going, oh, got to do that for work. At, le- at least it's like something really that we're passionate about. Yes, yeah, and I certainly was not passionate about math, so don't don't ever think. And I wasn't teaching, you know, year eleven and twelve maths. It was junior maths, you know, your basics. I can do that. Um, so yeah, yeah, there wasn't, you know, tremendous extensive algebra questions going on. So that's that's definitely not me either. So <laughs> money is something I've got to work at also, and finances and numbers and all the rest of it. But it's, you know, it's a necessary thing, particularly, you know, when you're you're framing your work and you're working out how to price it and, you know, like it's a it's a big ball game. Yeah, it completely is. And even if you do have a sale and you gotta work out, you still gotta make a profit after shipping and framing and and it and then I did this the other day, actually I had a sale, sold a piece for too cheap. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute, I didn't think there's a profit on this one. Ah. Uh, so even even after 20 years in the industry I still make crazy mistakes that you just I don't know. Ah, oh, business. <laughs> but I don't know that that is a mistake. I challenge you on that. I don't know if that is a mistake because you're going to have your work in someone's home. They're going to be able to talk about you and share it with other people. Um your work being on people's walls is part of the marketing game. So I don't think it's ever a loss, even if you haven't made a huge profit on a piece. Like I still, you know, am clearing out older works of mine that I've had, you know, sitting out out in the back wings for ages on Marketplace, you know. Like I think if you've got things sitting there, clear it, you know, particularly as an artist, I think sometimes you get bogged down when you are surrounded by older works. Um, I find if you can clear it out, then you feel fresh and ready to start, you know, new work or your next piece. Um, don't be afraid to just clear it, get rid of it. But um, I have learned that, you know, I don't know that um, I would do a sale on, on social media. I would do it sort of on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you want to show people that you're, um, you're not needing to do that. Yeah, I, I did back and forth in my own head a lot about having a sale and I haven't had a sale on original artworks in seven years and I, I'm denied about it a lot, but I got accepted into a street art festival and needed to fund my own flights and accommodation. And I was like, you know what? I'm happy to sell art to make more art and I'm happy for my followers and supporters to support me in that. I want them to be buying. Like I understand the the economic situation and I understand that art and murals is not, you know, a, a necessity in people's lives. And I want them to know that they're contributing to something more than just buying my art. So that's why I push yeah. that one out. But you'll notice now that all those posts have now been deleted off my Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a sale as long as it's not a regular thing that people are waiting for, that every year you're going to do a Black Friday sale and that's what they'll wait for. Do you know what I mean? So I think, you know, um, when you're growing your business initially, like if you have a sale, you know, every blue moon, then then that's good. If you need the money, then you do it. 
you know. Um, I don't think you need to be afraid of that. But, yeah, I agree. I'd probably go back and delete any any sale pictures and then then it doesn't – it's like it never happened. (laughs) But I think also it depends on your brand. So I think different artists are branding themselves in different ways and, you know, some artists, extremely exclusive artists, would never have a sale ever. And I completely understand that. Um, And then there are other artists who make their – profits from selling open edition prints and they're constantly having sales and they're making $200,000 a year. And I'm like, okay, well, they've got a system working for them. So I think it just depends on how you're branding yourself and your business and and how that works. And, but it's hard to know. Yeah, exactly. If it's if you're looking to grow the value of your art, then then probably having a sale won't help that value continue to grow. Um, but if you're looking for a passive income and something that can just churn and, and do its thing, then prints and, and sales and, you know, that works for so many as well, as you said. So it just depends on what your end game is and what you're heading for. Yeah, that's exactly it. So do you, what's your best bit of advice for other artists looking to go full-time? Having a mentor is is key, whether, you know, you look into the artist's wife or, or someone else, um, but uh, someone who gets it. So someone who's actually had success in the area that you're delving into. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there at the moment um, running, you know, mentoring programs that maybe haven't yet seen the success that, they're preaching so I think you know finding someone who is succeeding in the area that you're after and actually you know working with them to develop a plan for you so I think I think getting support is key yeah yeah I agree with that so how can people get in touch with you well, I'm constantly on social media. <laughs> so Instagram, that's um, Michelle underscore Sparks underscore Art. Um, also on Facebook, Michelle Sparks Art. Um, my website's michellesparksart.com.au. Um, but otherwise, yeah, just, just Google. Hopefully I come up high on the Google <laughs> at the moment, um, working hard on that. But, um, yeah, yeah, get in touch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I'll put all of those links in the show notes. And any other final words that you want to say? Um, yeah, just whatever you create, make sure you love it. Don't put it out to the world if you don't love it. It's kind of like Master Chef. Don't put it on the plate. If it's not good enough for you, don't don't put it out there. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, no worries. Thanks, Sarah. for tuning into the art and business and murals podcast please feel free to reach out via email at podcasts at sarahscully.com or follow up the show notes on the website at sarahscully.com if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends and fellow creatives i'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which i record this podcast the gobby gobby people and i'd like to pay my respects to the elders past present and emerging